Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Clues. Underwear drawers. They're not organized. They're like the, the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. You got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies. And now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go-to. I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and <laughs> my, um, <laughs> which is not what this uh, ad is about, but I am also wearing the super soft, sustainable modal fabric thong with no roll black waistband. Mm. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. And I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, MeUndies. But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at MeUndies.com slash roses. That's MeUndies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies, comfort from the outside in. This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace Case, if you know me, and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yeah. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'll, oh, The Bachelor? Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, Organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knutson crushes only 100% real ingredients 
so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. Pizza was late and overcooked. I actually disputed the charge with my bank because it was so bad. Also, the owner is a cowardly child. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues. And I just want to say, I ran out of pants tonight because I shit all of mine during this episode. The <laughs> mental all is traditionally boring. What? But tonight, for me, was a nonstop thrill ride with incredible play all the way through, incredible producer manipulation all the way through. The teaser for 26 had me fucking going insane. Tonight felt a little bit like the old game again to me. I was thoroughly impressed. Like I said, usually the mental all, I lament these episodes. It's a wasted night in my mind. Tonight, I feel like truly... This was the, for me, most entertaining episode of the entire fucking season so far. Damn, them's fighting words from Clues. Look, my pants are dry, but I did find it very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Might want to check your pants, make sure. Yeah, I'll check later. Keep you posted. <laughs> <laughs> later, after we do this hour podcast. But before we get into the game, which again, I was just blown away by what I saw tonight. I have so much to fucking say about so many things. I can't. Some of the shit we saw, the fucking subpoena. I just, I don't want to start talking about it yet. I've never seen anything like that. But, oh my God. I've never seen anything, just the volume of what we were given tonight. The feast laid out before us, literally in some cases, pizza. It was incredible. Rick's head cake. The Rick's head cake, the butter play footage. We've never seen anything like this in a tell-all, ever. This was just wall-to-wall, crazy shit happening, and high-level mm-hmm. play coming from some of these players at what is essentially their last audition for Paradise or potentially future Bachelordom, although we're now getting messages that the uh, the season that was going to now take place immediately after Clayton Eckert's season may not now take place, that they may revert to the traditional Bachelor bachelorette paradise off season which we're looking forward to if that's true praise be dark lord palmer <laughs> he's he's the one who's done it he came in as like first order of business guys uh, we got to go back to the old way <laughs> he's letting clayton stand on his own and i admire that yes <laughs> friend of the pod <laughs> but before we get into breaking down tonight's game we have a little bit of business something we're very excited about up top here right now there is a brand new shirt we have some debate about whether it's a shirt or a sweatshirt. It's a sweatshirt. It's a sweatshirt. Stop saying it's a shirt. That's also a shirt. Has the word shirt in it. But it is available now at etsy.com slash shop slash game of roses. And the design on this shirt was done by Ella Tolkien. She also did the design for our 4TRR shirt of the crying player with her hands bound by thorns. This design is in that style, but it is immaculate in a way that the other one is not quite because this design is essentially a scavenger hunt has us well, yeah it has us on it first of all <laughs> let me just put that right up front center. so it's immaculate <laughs> exactly this is a much better design i'm featured in it pace case is featured in it 
but it is a picture of us sitting at the bottom of the pit in thrones that have various things to do with our personalities. And all around us in the pit is a collection of things that we have said and jokes and things that have kind of defined what Game of Roses has been really since the dawn of the show. The mm-hmm. Dark Seasons are in there. The Dark Seeker is in there. Neil Lane is flying around as a demon with his rings. And a million other things. You can kind of get lost in this design looking at all the little stuff that's in there. We absolutely love it. Yeah, it reminds me of those um, those old I Spy books. Or Where's Waldo? Yeah, it's kind of a Where's Waldo-y type vibe. But if you want to pick one up or even just see what it looks like, you can go to any of our social media. We have links to it. We have pictures of it. And again, you can get it at etsy.com slash shop slash Game of Roses if you'd like to. I was wearing mine today just around the house, absorbing my own image Mm -hmm. on my chest. And I got to say, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. This was... I talked about this in my scream weeks ago, but it is a strange thing to wear your face on your chest. Now I feel <laughs> how Tyler Cameron feels all the time. <laughs> I'm not quite there yet, but maybe in the future. But again, if you want to pick that up, etsy.com slash shop slash Game of Roses. We hope that you guys will enjoy those this holiday season. They're also good conversation starters at any family holiday function when uh, a relative or friend might be like, what is that? And then you get to drag them straight into the pit. It's a literally a picture of the pit. But now, Pace Case, Let's do what we came here to do. Let's break down this incredible mental all. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. So, we begin with a promo as we always do and we see the favorite men are back. You're so excited. You have no idea. You have no idea. I love to see it. I- I'm sorry, I'm derailing us, but... You- <laughs> I did something that I haven't done in a very long time at the beginning of tonight's viewing. Usually I'm stone cold sober and I just watch this shit straight through. I take my notes and we do the analysis. Tonight, mm-hmm. raw, raw, as they say, tonight, <laughs> I smoked a little bit and I think... I'm not saying that's why I liked it as much as I did. I I, I couldn't have been luckier. Not only did I smoke a little weed, I also (laughs) encountered the greatest mental all I think that's ever been committed to tape. This was insane. And so for me to have both of those combos, I'm just going to say some of the shit that I have written down here might be a little wordy tonight. That's all because I have a lot to say about (laughs) a lot of it. Uh Uh-huh. I am looking forward to it. I like that you gave, you know, a a stipulation. That's right. I was using a performance enhancing drug for my critique of tonight's big game. Full transparency. So the promo tonight, (laughs) the favorite men are back. Somebody's accusing somebody of having a girlfriend for the entire show. Will and Peter are fighting. Rick steps in. Olu stands up over the low IQ accusation. Jamie gets attacked in a hot seat. Rodney gets a heartbreak hot seat. There's some kind of shocking update. It looks like Tasha is going to be made to discuss her breakup. And Michelle demands an apology from somebody and we see a paid actor streaking through the set. That is the promo and all of this shit. It's like, okay, some of it seems like you're run of the mill, like they're going to make these guys fight and bicker, but making Tasha talk about her breakup, strange. Uh-huh. And there is a naked actor in quotes naked. I'm sure he was wearing like a G-string or something, something similar to what they made um, Kenny Brash wear on Paradise. He's streaking through the set. I'm already in. I'm already like, how the fuck are they going to just make that happen? We begin, we see the studio audience. We see, you know, the signs they're giving out to the studio audience. 
Michelle is my MVP. If I may, if I may, this is this is where I started doing my writings. Yes. <laughs> and just to, to let you know, my portion one notes are four pages long. I don't think I've ever done that. Oh, my God. This is going to be a two hour podcast. Portion one. Taitlin takes the stage and we <laughs> see the audience. It is packed. Jewel tones are shining in the dim lights of the studio. And people are not just holding Michelle is my MVP signs, but rhythmically thrusting them into the air as the entire crowd cheers and screams at a level of volume we have not yet heard in a mental all. This is the mental energy of your, an audience as lively and vibrant as ever, ready to celebrate their sport of sports. <laughs> Gorgeous. <laughs> That's my fucking... That was frame one as I was watching this. Yeah, we haven't seen this sort of hot energy from an audience since the season 17 Sean Lowe women tell all. That's the one I was in the audience for. (laughs) (laughs) You brought the thunder. (laughs) But this type of energy is laid throughout the entire show. This is... They sweetened all the audio and they took it out in certain places as well, which we will get to. Mm -hmm. But they sweetened all the audio. They made these cheers loud. They made them excited. All of the crowd shots were fucking like, yeah! Like it was up a notch from what we usually see of the crowd. Yes, they're cheering and stuff very usually, but not like this. This felt very different to me. Like they were pumping it up. They were juicing this a little bit. The ultimate girl gang, Taitlin, come out and they say, you just watched the ultimate boy band thing a strange line i guess trying to trying to grasp at some of those viewers hey you who were watching this you might be interested in this men tell all from a season you haven't watched yeah it's like why even mention that you can't advertise for something that literally just aired nobody's gonna be like oh the ultimate boy band thing was on tonight let me build a time machine and go back 30 minutes so i can watch that <laughs> doesn't make any sense we then get the introduction of the players who who gets the honor of receiving a chair at this mental all? It is Martin, Chris S., Romeo, Ryan, Casey, Daniel, PJ, Spencer, Pardeep, Olu, Will, Rick, Peter, and Rodney. We see a We Love Rodney sign. They're going to hit multiple times how he is the audience favorite. I came up with a little thing here for what we see next. Casey is given a role that I called the, the first, first orator. orator. This is the role given to the first person to speak in every tell-all. They're always tasked with recounting their first impressions of meeting the lead. And this is always extremely complimentary. And here Casey does just that as the first orator. I thought it was an odd choice. Start with Casey. Yes. Casey was an odd choice to cast. He's an odd choice to put in the mental hall. He's the first (laughs) choice to give first orator to. But Casey did okay here. And then Rodney is given second oration within his first two sentences. He mentions his Apple costume, hitting that brand hard right out of the gate. Love to see it. Mm -hmm. Gets a little laugh from the audience, a little clap, or at least we get the shots of those. I mean, as you know, Pace Case from being there, they make the audience tape various reactions before the show even starts. Then they just cut those in where they need them. We get our first reel. It is the drama reel. We're seeing the... Pizza rivalry of Will and Peter. We're seeing Foldergate. We're seeing Martin who hates Miami females. We're seeing Chris S's speech. We're seeing him say, Olu has a low IQ. And Taitlin questioned the Will versus Peter rivalry first. And Will doubles down that Peter is a narcissist and has his prepared lines for the rivalry he should have gone on Shark Tank if he wanted to promote his business. And we're going to find out 
Joke's on you, Will, because it seems like if you want to promote a pizza business, you actually do exactly what Peter did. Yes. I don't want to give anything away. Uh-huh. What he did tonight, Peter Izzo I'm talking about, the pizzapreneur, was a fucking masterclass in how to play a mental all. This is a man who has come from relative obscurity. He got involved in a very early rivalry that petered out into nothing, no pun intended. He was forgotten. He has almost no gains. Very curious to see what will happen to his gains after tonight. And he then gets a little defense after the attack that Will issued toward him. And Caitlin asks Peter about the, the jacket in the pool incident. And he takes this time back. He's not going to talk about the jacket in the pool. He instead goes to defend Will's accusation. Basically says that Will's initial attack was unexpected in the show, and he felt like he had to defend himself. And then Casey jumps in to say that Peter was awful all day long. He will never shut up. And he starts saying that he has catchphrases like bonjourno, which I think we might have seen only in his limo exit. So they cut out the waboominess of Peter. This is one more example to me, and we saw a bunch throughout tonight's episode of like, oh, the casting producers actually did do a good job. They put people in there who were like going to be great on reality TV, and the producers just cut the season to remove any of that or to get rid of these villains way too fucking early. They could have gotten another episode out of that rivalry easily and just didn't. Yeah. I mean, they did include a lot of pizza one-liners, to be fair, but no, we didn't hear the Bongiorno thing again. I hope we get to see that on Paradise. Peter says he's like Will is attacking him and he's using his business to provide for his family. And Will suggestively says, tell your sister to stay out of my DMs as if Peter's sister is hitting on him. But it turns out Peter's sister is yelling at Will. And Caitlin goes, we're watching grown men argue about pizza. And I'm like, you are the ones who set this up. And it's The Bachelor. You chose to go talk to them first. Yes. Yeah, they're like, I can't believe our lives are so crazy. Grown men arguing about pizzas is the show. You're the host of fucking clickbait. Or now she's the host of happy hour. It's like, this is your life. This is what you do. It's your job. You're being paid to do this. Of course. Peter then says Will has been tagging his pizzeria to try to slander his name and hurt his livelihood. And Tasha goes, we have some of those reviews. Unreal. (laughs) This shit, this moment. Okay, this is history. First of all, history in the making. Okay, we have seen things from social media put on screens in the tell-alls. We saw the tweets from Lee Garrett in Rachel Lindsay's season. Mm -hmm. We saw the liked posts of Garrett Ugarian in Becca Kufrin's season. We saw the racist DMs sent to players of Peter Weber's season. We even saw some Kirkconnell stuff in... uh, Matt James's season, I believe. We also saw a very early villain. Do you remember this? Her spread, Krista or Crystal? Yeah. She was on the cover of some like Entertainment Weekly magazine. She was in season six. Right. And she was the villain and got a page in a magazine and they put that up. But this is very different. These are reviews that Will Urena allegedly left for Peter Izzo's pizza shop. So... This isn't a like, this isn't a tweet, this isn't really social media. It's available publicly, and so therefore it has an air of social media, but this is a series of reviews that he, again, allegedly left, these bad one-star reviews, and they throw them up on screen. Yeah, Yelp is social media. That's true, that's true. It's a form of social media, but we've never seen this specifically, where he's reviewing this man's business, or so they say allegedly, 
And so then they, they throw them up on screen and we read them. The first one, pizza was late and overcooked. I actually disputed the charge with my bank because it was so bad. Also, the owner is a cowardly child. <laughs> and so Peter then says the dates of these reviews were the same date that Will tagged his pizza place on Instagram. And Will is not denying this. That is very important to understand here because they're going to mm-hmm. keep the narrative going. The question, at least, did he actually do this or not? After watching this, I think absolutely he did. He never, ever says, I didn't do that. And he's even saying the whole time, like, well, that's true, you know, that is true about him being a cowardly child and shit. He's kind of owning it. Or he tagged the pizzeria encouraging others to do this, to do his dirty work. That's possible too, but I think he's responsible for these these bad reviews. The next one then is read by Caitlin, pizza sucks, worst I've ever had. Peter has a horrible (laughs) attitude. I wouldn't wish for my worst enemy to eat this disgusting pizza. One star. (laughs) I mean, come on. This is insane. So now we're seeing this weird window through the show that it's a little bit of how what they're doing in game can possibly affect them in their real life. Peter keeps saying, you know, this is my livelihood and this guy's basically attacking it. We don't know if it had any damage done to his business as a result of this, but this is now playing out in the show, in the document. This is their post-play rivalry that they've kept going in social media now comes back into the show again. It is the full merger of social media with the show. And the social media was created by the show. This is fascinating to me. We're really in this mirror reflecting back on itself phase. Just beautifully, beautifully done. And we're going to get another moment like that later in uh, this very episode where we see the snake begin to eat its own tail. I love shit like this when it becomes so circular that you can't tell what is causing what and what came before. And it's just, I love it. This is like my favorite shit about The Bachelor because it is the truest reflection of American culture. Love it. Anyway. This uh, alleged cowardly child then brings out a man who walks across the stage. Wait one second. Wait one second. We, We still have to discuss this. Caitlin then asks if he's eaten the pizza. Caitlin says, Will, have you eaten the pizza? He says, yes. Peter then says, that was pizza from the hotel. There's no way that was my pizza. Will maintains that it was. You saw the box. It was your box. And Peter is like, yeah, it was my pizza box. But obviously it was the show's pizza. Will is hiding behind, using as defense the lie of the show that everything in the show is real. You saw the pizza box. It had to be your pizza. He's using that as a defense for his malicious behavior, hiding behind the lie. And to some degree, that's going to work. Because if you do that, if you say the show is real, we all know Natasha Parker, reality TV is real, then you're kind of exonerated from it. I found this to be a, a fucking fascinating moment. Then the guys are even asked, does anyone think he wrote these reviews? Who among you believes these lies? Nobody says fucking anything. Everyone knows this is a trap. Every one of these fucking guys is silent. I couldn't fucking believe it. Not even like an early person who's accidentally like, oh, I think he did. No one, nothing, silence. Yeah, Daniel and PJ aren't even touching this one. God, it was so fucking good. But again, I think Will himself did corroborate this when he was saying like facts on facts on facts, never disputing any of it. I think that is definitely meaning he wrote these reviews or had something to do with them. This alleged cowardly child 
who creates alleged pizza you wouldn't want your worst enemy to eat, then brings out a man. And this man walks across the stage and hands Will a piece of paper and says, Willie Joel Arena, you've been served for defamation of character. And this fake lawyer that Peter brings in to serve an on-camera subpoena to Will was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. I've never seen anything like this. I loved it. It was so dramatic. It was like a Housewives-esque moment, the ultimate art form. And it was just beautiful. And it also sets up what happens at the end of this episode perfectly. Yeah. Uh, don't get me wrong. This is not my play of the game or my Jorge Moreno, but uh, it was in contention for both. It was almost my play of the game. Yeah. <laughs> Mine as well. Because this is truly, truly pro wrestling at its finest. None of this is real. All of it is scripted by the producers. And Peter Izzo is playing a part here. He's acting like it's serious. This is an actor. That is not a real subpoena. The producers have hired that actor to come in. This is all pre-scripted. I don't know how much of our audience watching believes any of it is real. None of it is. And it's all in service of fueling this rivalry still, because that was the biggest kind of piece of drama they had. It was unbelievable. It's a very smart move by Peter. He dominates this whole segment after they've watched the drama reel. And then he even has a line to cap it off and go to commercial. Rest in pizza. Not only a line, he gives him the sign of the fucking cross as though he's dead it is amazing what we watched here. And all of this has been choreographed. All this has been scripted. And again, it's not real. It's literally like pro wrestling when they get mad at each other. And there's like a lawyer character that comes in and is like, you're being sued. Here's uh -huh. your subpoena. They, they literally do this shit in pro wrestling. Literally. And here it is in our beloved game. There is no separation anymore. They are one and the same. And I knew when I saw Demi Burnett show up and do some fucking promos and I believe she was in Monday Night Raw, I was like, the shit is crossing. It is coming over now. And this tonight was like a pure episode of pro wrestling. Fucking loved it. Then Taitlin takes us into commercial. And this is the first portion, by the way. At the end of it, I have this distinct feeling that I can't believe how boring the season has been watching what I now watched. They had gold in this rivalry and they got rid of it immediately. They had gold in Peter's catchphrases and pizza identity. They cut it all out of the show. I thought at some point that these guys were just boring, but now I see that is not the fucking case at all. Casting did their job here. These players are fucking incredible. They could have turned in and probably did turn in a massively entertaining season. It's the producer's who fucking dropped the ball here. It's the editors. It's deciding what you're putting into the show. Even the fucking butter thing that we saw later, and we'll get to it. I know it's a ripoff of prior dates, but Jesus Christ, that's hilarious. Where the fuck was it? I loved the butter date. Why did they cut that? I have no idea. But we begin portion two. Taitlin takes it to Ryan to ask him why he came on the show. Ryan Fox, of course, is our folder man, folder gate. And Ryan says he thinks he had a genuine connection with Michelle then... The notes happened and Caitlin calls them the document and asks why he brought them on the show. He maintains it was his girlfriends who wanted to help him be successful on the show. Obviously, they knew it was a game. I don't know who his girlfriends are. If you're listening right now, 
You should have told him not to actually take the notes into the game. That was the one thing you failed to tell him. But Caitlin says, dude, you write down your dream girls in the notes because not one of them look like Michelle at all. They're accusing him here of saying some lies in his notes. And he says Michelle's characteristics are exactly what he was looking for. And he offers to bring out some of the notes. But Caitlin then goes from the serious kind of tone of admonishing him to immediately smiling and laughing and going, we actually have some of the notes right here. It was the best game show host, like sinister kind of dystopian game show host turn I've seen her make yet. And for a moment, I was like, oh, she could be the next Dark Lord. She has it. She has the ability. I saw it. A brief glimmer there. She's always had the ability. She could do anything. Not like this. This shit was real, real sinister. Loved it. We see the note that says, make it seem like you're super interested in teaching. And he tries to defend it, says he had one week to prepare. They said, be descriptive in describing things. And I was like, it's so funny to read this like alternate version of things that we talk about all the time. Like what they're describing here is be the colorful narrator to get screen time. Yeah. And what they're describing about make sure you're super interested in the job is a first audience game. You have to study the first Mm -hmm. audience, the lead, basically, and come into the game, being able to talk to them about whatever their whole identity is. Ari Leyendyke, you better fucking like you some cars. Michelle Young, you better like you some fucking kids and teachers. Clayton, you better like some pizza and forts. And farts. We're definitely going to see a limo exit that's a fort, aren't we? Yeah, and a fart, probably. Hi. I heard you were the fart king of Bachelor Nation and you're looking for a fart queen. Something like that. We had a fart limo exit. Someone brought a box, right? That opened and it made a fart noise. Yep. I remember that. It was a little toilet, I think. Oh, my beautiful brain is filled with all of these beautiful moments. (laughs) Beautiful small moments. Then we see he tries to apologize for all this stuff, for taking up the time on that night one. And there were some guys who turtled as a result of it. And then Pardeep brings up his Bachelor Live appearance that... Ryan had to have been lying. He he definitely saw more than two hours of the show because he was on Bachelor Live. And he tries to jump in on this 4TRR attack wagon, but he gets a little too into the acting job here, into the self-righteousness, and he reveals his own 4TWR tactics when he says, if you would have made it to the top five or four, your mouth would be shut right now. So he's accusing him of wanting to be The Bachelor, coming in for 4TWR. Meanwhile, in the accusation, he's revealing his own deep game knowledge that the higher you go up the chain, the placement that you finish in actually matters. So to me, this attack did not work for Pardeep. I'm not sure he'll see much of a bump as a result of it. Yeah, I feel like Pardeep had had the fourth audience on his side. This was his redemption moment. and He kind of dropped it. I also feel like they cut from that moment you know, as we were saying, they shoot all of the audience reactions beforehand and then they cut them in to make us at home feel like whatever they want us to feel in response to whatever's Mm -hmm. happening. And here they cut from Pardeep to the audience who are clapping to let us know that Pardeep is right and Ryan is the villain for bringing in the notes and wanting (laughs) to be the bachelor. But these shots are very clearly cut in later. I believe the audience in this moment does not actually do this clapping or cheering. Because it is completely disjointed. That cut is just like, whoa, what the fuck? No, none of them are the live reactions. Tasha then moves on to Martin. We have some of the other players talking about him. Olu reiterates that he's two-faced. Romeo says, I was fooled. Look at my hair as if he has copied Martin's bleached tips. And he says he has triple whammy of misogyny. High maintenance. Referred to them as females and said Michelle is not like other girls. 
Martin does this explanation that he was trying to give a compliment and it came off the wrong way and he did lie at the end to her, but that he felt she wasn't giving him a shot to explain himself. And Will brings up some more tea, pops it in. Not what I heard on the streets. I heard you had a girlfriend the whole time that he was there. Right, which is totally possible. We'll probably never know. This is the girl that he's with now, supposedly, that he calls his soulmate eventually. Mm -hmm. We'll never really know what arrangement they had, if they had one, what the deal was. But just in terms of like what this game is, if you are with someone and you have the conversation, I got onto The Bachelor, I have to go do this for my Instagram or whatever, and they're cool with it, in my opinion, that's fine. That's fair play. I know it's a very 4TWR play, but as long as you can keep it secret, you're fine to do it. Look at what Jed Wyatt did. We'll never know the true details of exactly what that relationship was, but this guy won the ring. It's fantastic play. I think this is a valid way to enter the game. It's a straight 4TRR play style or 4TWR play style. Don't get me wrong, but I think that's valid if you can play it correctly. Nonetheless, it's risky. The risk is that they're going to confront you with it on the show. And then as soon as the first audience hears about it, they're not going to keep you. Oh, right, right. But like he successfully played the entire season without that ever happening. This is only coming up at the fucking mental yeah. all after everybody goes out and has their cell phones and shit. You can go deep in a season with that strategy and you might have some fallout after you come out of it, you know, and everybody starts digging and shit like that. But I don't mind that as a strategy is all I'm saying. And I was I was glad to see that here it was indicated at least. And then Caitlin tries to trick him and says, oh, really? Because your girlfriend's here right now. And... He's not. She's not. But I thought this was a nice moment for Caitlin. We see that sense of humor that she has yeah. and how she can kind of roll with the punches in a live moment. That wasn't a scripted thing. The She's here right now. I thought she did very well with that. Well, she's hilarious. Fucking goat. Tasha asked Chris about his in the bag comment. Rick defends Michelle. Let a strong woman speak for herself. And Tasha asked if he wants to apologize. He says he might have come off a little strong, but his intentions were genuine. And Rick goes for the jugular, says, I was roommates with him and I don't believe him right now. He said, better looking women have sucked his dick. That's a hard one. And Peter says, that's he said, she said. <laughs> Feels <Yeah>. very specific. <laughs> that's he said, she said. <laughs> I mean, that's a fucking, that's a hardcore accusation right there. And, yeah, you know, Peter's trying to defend it and Rick then says, no one gives a shit about your opinion anymore. That gets big applause. And somebody even says, stay in your lane, Peter. I don't know who it was, but mm -hmm. someone says that. I heard that. And this is yeah. harkening back, of course, to Luke Parker, Hannah Brown's season 15 of Bachelorette, who famously told the remaining about six or seven guys, stay in your lane, stay in your lane, you stay in your lane, you keep doing you, you stay in your lane. And then the collective decides that this is also Swolu's lane. They go, Olu, what about you? Swolu, Swolu. They go, it's a bloodbath. They're getting him uh, getting him excited. Swolu, speak your piece. And then Swolu stands up in his beautiful orange suit. And he says, don't say I have a low IQ. You're looking at black excellence right now. A whole master's degree. Don't ever fucking say I have a low IQ. And Olu standing up in this amazing orange suit and saying this line was my play, 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 play of the game. 
He walks over. He says, look me in the eye. I loved this moment. He just, Olu stood out to me out of a lot of the players during this episode. Yeah. And this was an amazing line. It's something I can see being memed. It was just spectacular. Yeah, I agree. And the subpoena was my runner up, but I'm going to give it to Black Excellence. No, this was a great play. Great play by Olu, the standing up out of the chair, making this entire moment all about him and really taking the reins here and saying, I'm in the right, you're in the wrong. No one questioned it. It was a complete act of dominance and it it worked flawlessly, mm-hmm. I thought. I, I also thought this was a very good play. It's also a timing thing. It's like he's the one who's just been accused, Chris S., of saying hotter women have sucked his dick. You know, mm-hmm. you're not you're not targeting a, a front runner with this with this attack. Absolutely not. But it works well. And then portion three begins with our next villain. They bring out Jamie. Jamie Scar, of course. We get no cheers. The audio here is completely dropped out. You can almost hear <laughs> fucking whispers. You can almost hear the air conditioner in the fucking room on. And he gets hot seat number one. We get a Jamie reel and we hear boos and literal hisses from the crowd, none of which are real. This is all faked audio that the producers are laying in for us at home to really start hating this guy. And Jamie talks about his first impression of Michelle. He says it was easy and effortless. He found himself excited for the next moments with her. And Tasha brings up his hurtful comments and asks what he meant by spring break mode. And Jamie says context was missing. He had just walked in on Michelle while she was having an intimate moment with one of the other players. This would have, of course, been set up by producers so that he walked in to see that. And he says, so the spring break moment was more about her being with 20 guys in the house. The premise of the show. A lot of the guys pile on. Romeo, I looked up to you. You called Michelle easy on TV. We'll own up for your words. Jamie says, no human being is better than another. And Casey is just straight 100 in anger this whole episode. Straight answer. Two different Jamies. He's Tony Robbins all day, but off camera saying these guys ain't shit. Pretty good line about the Tony Robbins. Totally. I think Casey actually carved himself a place in sand out here in this mental all. I don't think he's going to be a high placement. I don't think he's going to be like a coveted person on sand, but I think he did enough to prove to the producers that he's willing to fight basically anyone or defend basically anyone, whatever the case may be. And he'll be their go-to guy if they need some extra muscle in a, like a group fight, you know, if they got to throw somebody on the beach, he's in your crew for sure. Portion four begins. We are still in Jamie's hot seat. Tasha brings up the the rumors that he had said about running into his friend, running into Michelle at a bar. Rodney says, I remember that night. What you say is all on TV, you told us. I thought it couldn't be Jamie. Apologize for that and let's move on. And Jamie refuses. He says there's two levels. I was just talking about being bothered by the rumor. He's really talking around the whole scenario, even though, you know, Daniel and PJ tag team, it's an easy confession. Step up. Rick, you keep trying to deflect. Tasha, why did you not confess? Jamie says, I told you guys that it wasn't disrespectful. He's really just nitpicking in this. And Jamie failing to utilize his hot seat to apologize and get a redemption arc was my 
error, 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 error of the game. There's very few hot seats. You have Rodney, you have Rick, and you have Jamie. He had the platform to make this a redemptive moment. Of course. Sorry, let me just get this out of the way. Jamie failing to apologize here and set up a redemption arc going into paradise was also my error, 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 error of the game. It's so fucking simple. They build you up into a villain. You come on the mental wall. You say this situation, the process gets all of our emotions up. And I don't know what I was saying. I apologize to everyone. I wasn't used to this. I didn't know what to expect. And it just Mm -hmm. made me act in a way that I don't normally act. And seeing it back is really hard to watch. I don't like seeing myself like that. And I sincerely apologize to everyone who had to deal with me while I was in that situation. You are done. It is clean. You've put the apology on the premise itself, on the show itself, on the fucking process. You can't get better than that because it exonerates you. It's not your fault, really. It's the show's fault. It made you into this person. That's how you do it every fucking time. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I just don't know why he didn't do it. There's something in him that's like, if I admit I was wrong, it's going to look bad. But what ends up happening mm-hmm. is this looks way worse when you're smiling through people's attacks and you're talking these weird circles about nothing around. It's just this, his entire appearance here, in my opinion, was a disaster. Will he be on Paradise? Probably, but... <laughs> he could have rehit his PTC. He could have dropped in a PTC we haven't heard. I mean, I'll never forget when Corinne Olympios was on The Women Tell All and she brought up that she had a nanny because her mom had cancer, which we hadn't heard when she was on the show. And I was like, that is a great context for everyone had been making fun of her the whole time and calling her spoiled, etc. But we did not get that. Portion number five... Begins and we have the second hot seat. It is Tabletops Heartbreak Hot Seat. And we watch a reel about Tabletops Heartbreak. Rick. <sighs> Rick says he felt like he'd found his person, that he had never told anyone the full story about his father before, but Michelle listens to understand. He's doing a good job praising Michelle a lot and talking about his emotional turmoil that he didn't sleep much last night. I think we're definitely going to see him in paradise. Oh, for sure. And then Taisha asks him about his limo exit, and he says that he was sore the next day. And then they roll out a table for him. Go take a look. And he's forced to uncover a dish, and it is a cake of his head, (laughs) which he bites into. More food play. This, I'm giving this my actual error. The first error was an error. This is my real error, okay? Tabletop uh-huh. completely fucking mishandling this opportunity with this cake head was my real, real, real error, 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 error of the game. Tabletop bends down. He eats a piece of his own head. This, again, is this idea of mirroring a mirror. One final indignity forced upon Tabletop to remind him that no matter how moving his love story might have been, he's always going to be a fool in this franchise. The comedic version of a snake eating its own tail, a reflection of our society obsessed with fame and willing to do anything to get it, even devour our own identities rendered in pale comparison to the real thing. 
he could have done anything with this fucking cake. Anything. Mm. He could have taken his hands and just mashed it. He could have buried his own face in it and come up saying, is this what you want? He could have taken a handful of this cake and then force fed it to somebody or had them eat it out of his hand, wedding cake style in a food play. I was going to say, he should have held it out for everyone to grab a piece. Yes. Second audience play. Body of Christ. Have them all eat of you mm -hmm. so that they may experience salvation in paradise. There were a million things you could have done with this. He bends down because he's too fucking nervous that he's going to look stupid, but you already do. They've brought in a cake of your fucking head. You're not getting out of this one with dignity. So you might as well fucking blow it up. That was my true error. I, he was presented with an amazing opportunity here and he just fucking shat it away. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist-recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered shower head purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Support for today's episode comes from One Skin. If you have sensitive skin, you're going to want to hear about One Skin's scientifically proven topical supplements. This is face, eye, body, shield, and it can all be used with any of their other products, which are free from over 1,500 chemicals and preservatives that can make skin red, irritated, or itchy. Their products are safe for sensitive skin. It's just one of the reasons they've earned the Skin Safe seal of approval. You got to keep that skin glowing if you want to be keeping up the level of face play that I've got going on. And One Skin was founded by an all-woman team of scientists... Their products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Uh, their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products often. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. Clues. Underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the, the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. You got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies. And now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because 
Those are my now go-to. I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and my, um, <laughs> which is not what this uh, ad is about, but I am also wearing the super soft sustainable modal fabric thong with no roll black waistband. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. And I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now. Well, this ad actually is kind of about that pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, MeUndies. But it's not just about underwear. You can explore the lounge collection featuring comfy joggers, hoodies, onesies, and a whole bunch more. And their Move Me activewear collection is the softest activewear on the market. There's no doubt about it. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order plus free shipping at MeUndies.com slash roses. That's MeUndies.com slash roses for 20% off plus free shipping. MeUndies, comfort from the outside in. And <laughs> then portion number six begins. Who is our third hot seat? Oh, it's a surprise. It's not one of the players. It is one of our co-hosts. It is Tasha. <laughs> Did she know this was coming? Yes. I mean, they must have discussed it with her. I mean, look, we know what happens. I'm going to tell you what I think about it. I may not be right. This is what I think. This is what it seemed like to me. Classic. <laughs> what did you say? Classic. <laughs> Classic. Oh, classic. <laughs> this may not be right, but I have a theory. And this is what we do. I do, based on the, what they're showing me in the fucking document and what uh -huh. I know of Taisha Adams yeah. and what I know of her role within the larger Bachelor franchise, the host of an official Bachelor podcast, all this shit. And maybe she's going to be Bachelorette mm -hmm. next year. Like, again, I could <gasps> see that happening. And this might be the, the starting of that. Wow. I believe everything you saw from this conversation, including Tasha getting up and leaving to take a moment to herself when they introduced the Rodney reel, I think all of it was scripted, pre-planned and scripted. I think she knew the questions that were going to be asked to her. I think her becoming emotional was a little bit of acting. And I believe her getting up and leaving was to really put a fucking bow on it. This is real for TRR, no doubt. It's as much sauce as they could have put in it. That's my honest belief. You think she would... Do it again. Hundred fucking percent. This is her life. She's much more in the health and wellness space, more so in the health and wellness space. She's an influencer. Mm. Being the she's at 1.8 right now. She could join the two million club. She could join the three million club. She could be the first player to hit three million. I think. If she becomes bachelorette again, I think she's got three million Instagram followers. Tasha, if you're listening, do it. <sighs> fucking do it. If they're making you the offer, make them pay you. Yes. Get paid. Get that million dollars and get your three million followers. I think you can do it. I sincerely believe it because her season, when she came into the broken season 17 or season mm -hmm. 16, sorry, her ratings went up. She was beating Claire Crawley. People like her within the nation. I think she would be massive. People love her. And she gets a redemption from the heartbreak storyline. And she only got half a season anyway. Exactly. They owe her. Give her full limo exits. I don't know who we're going to see in Clayton's season, but can they be more impressive than Tasha Adams? That's a huge fucking bar to set. If she wants this, I think she's got it. Wow. I have chills. I feel like an idiot. I didn't even think about this possibility. 
this is this is what I get for going into the show raw. That's right. I have my performance enhancing drug. I don't see the future. <laughs> Tasha. then as uh, she's saying all this stuff, we see that Caitlin gives her an STCO. She hugs it out with her here live on stage. I thought that was fantastic. And we this is for me was mm-hmm. like classic fucking Bristow. She can kind of do it all. An STCO. She's telling jokes. She's getting mad at the players. And it's a, a really beautiful moment between them. You feel like they have really bonded, that they are really friends in co-hosting this show for the past two seasons. And Bristow gets to add this Women Tell All STCO to her long list of achievements in game. I mean, I'm writing down statistics for the hosts. Tasha producing tears. Tasha getting a, a heartbreak hot seat. Yeah. Incredible. And Caitlin <laughs> does a transition line of sorts from one broken heart to another. That's just cold as fuck. These producers, because you can see, Taisha actually, I thought, you know, just objectively speaking in terms of their hosting duties, I actually thought Taisha was like, she's ready to be doing this. She could be on like a fucking extra, a whatever. A hundred percent. She's got this now. She's a once in a generation talent. Yeah, her the second iteration of it, she learned a lot from doing it the first time. And whatever like rust or nerve she might have had the first time, completely gone. Caitlin, I think, you still see her reading the teleprompter every once in a while. No, you don't. I never see that. I fucking literally saw it right here. <laughs> it seems all improv. She's <laughs> that line. Stunning. One broken heart to another. I mean, she's trying to do the impossible here, which is transition. Tasha's tear-filled hot seat into Rodney's. And she gets another line in here, the apple of our eye, Rodney. So that's a scripted line. Then we see the sign. There's a sign that has Rodney's face in the middle of an eyeball. Yeah. I, I mean, look, the signs are all made by one person. One person is making all these signs. And I like that they're stepping it up. They're getting a little creative. It's kind of a Clusian-esque meme. There's also a line that Bristow is going to read. Yeah. And combining Tasha and Rodney's heartbreak hot seats in the same portion was my wowie moment of the week. It's a tough thing for Rodney to handle. He comes in, he says, so sorry to hear that, Tasha. Unreal. (laughs) Well, she's visibly crying. Yeah, and then Rodney has to be there too. As Caitlin tries to conduct this interview. Yeah. Oh, God. It's like Rodney's like, this was supposed to be my fucking hot seat. What the fuck is going on here? And we don't know if he knew about this, if he was like on the internet reading about this shit or not up to this point. But he's just like, well, I guess, yeah, the show must go on. So we watch Rodney's reel. Wait, before we watch it, Tasha walks off stage. Yeah. This is the moment that I think was pre-planned. I okay, I disagree with you. I don't think it was pre-planned. I think Tasha's for TRR. I think Zach. She thought she and Zach were, and what do we call it? End. End game. End game. Avengers End Game. She thought they were End Game. Yeah, I'm not saying that she's not for TRR and that she's not really emotionally upset by this. I, I believe she is, but you can't discount this. Both Caitlin and Tasha have been in some form in front of that fucking camera for multiple years of their lives in the past, for Tasha, the past five years, for Caitlin, even longer. They are very aware 
that when they are on the show, they are on the fucking show. And everything they're doing, it may be motivated by genuine emotion, but still they are acting to those cameras. And that is a big dramatic fucking moment when you get up off the show and walk away. I'm not saying the producers knew about it necessarily. She definitely knew she was going to do it. Definitely. I don't know. I it to me it felt spontaneous and like yeah, it was like oh I actually can't get through this right now. That's why she's so fucking good. That's why she's so fucking good. <laughs> we then get this heartbreak reel for Rodney, and good on Rodney. He produces tears while watching his story back. I was so proud of him. He says, it's bittersweet watching it back, but she told me she was always Team Rodney and I'm Team Michelle. He creates a new line that he is going to repeat over and over again since he's not allowed to say underdog anymore contractually. <laughs> They've given it to Clayton. Yeah, they, they're like, if you want to come to paradise, you can no longer refer to yourself as the underdog. You're just doing your own like demon sound effects now, aren't you? <laughs> Yes. On your own voice. That's how they sound in my head. <laughs> he uh, refers to his own forced nudity play and says that his mom had rules such as no costumes. He broke that night one. Streaking's not a good look. I'm like, you're talking to a person who did a voluntary nudity play, Caitlin Bristow, right now, Rodney. And Caitlin says, we thought it was a good look. Then Rodney invokes um, our Lord and Savior, says that his parents told him God has a plan for you. Everything happens for a reason. I didn't know that he was Christian or religious, but he can maybe expound upon that when he's in paradise. And also, this is like setting up his paradise love story. Everything happens for a reason. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I'm going to meet my soulmate in, in on sand. She, Caitlin even says it. She asks him if there's still feelings for Michelle, and he says he hopes that she finds her true love. And Caitlin says that they're all rooting for Rodney to do the same thing, maybe on the beaches of Mexico. And he just smiles knowingly. They've already given him the contract. He's already signed it. That's why he's there saying everything they want him to say. Michelle's so good. Michelle's great. I hope she finds love. And maybe that's sincere, but he knows what he's got to do here tonight. It is give the audience the impression that he is ready to move on Everything happens for a reason, and it's laid out for us. He will definitely be in paradise here. It was gorgeous. I thought he did a gorgeous hot seat. And portion number seven, Taisha is back. We get a blooper reel where we meet Brenna, Minnesota's 67th Princess K of the Milky Way. What is a Princess K of the Milky Way? No idea, but I'm guessing it's some kind of local Minnesotan tradition of the butter queen or some shit like this oh it's an ambassador for dairy farmers in minnesota there you go and we see that there is a whole portion of this group date that we never got to see where the guys have to do butter carving it's very similar to the sculpture uh artistic activity dates that we've seen in the prior two seasons of bachelorette and we get to see some of their fucking sculptures nate makes like a diamond ring that actually doesn't look too bad joe makes a basketball kind of shaped like a heart Rodney makes a terrible heart. Olu <laughs> just carved into the butter like a heart. And Nate says it looks angry like he was stabbing the butter. <laughs> <laughs> and then Caitlin goes, 
So Olu, was that your first butter sculpture? As though everyone else has done hundreds of butter sculptures in their lives. And he was the only one. <laughs> this was the first time. Yeah, I thought that was funny. <laughs> oh, my God. But it's like, where was that shit in the show? Like, what did they give us instead of that? Some dumb fucking arguments or something? Some stupid fucking moments between who gives a shit? That is funny. That is entertaining. Put that in the show. Brenna would have obviously been my bystander of that week. I didn't even know she existed. Exactly. We then get another blooper. This is more of the searches of the rooms, which I thought was a very interesting choice. We see Will is naked and they go through his stuff. Call him a sneakerhead. Tasha puts his shoes on. I feel like that was very invasive. They went through his fucking wallet. They just started pulling shit out of his fucking wallet. That's a crime. You, you can't do that shit. They take black lights to their beds, Room Raider style. That's literally that MTV show. We see somebody's bench pressing Caitlin. I didn't see who it was. Some dirty basketball shorts. And then they put caution tape up around somebody's room. Like, you can't go in there. Spencer. It's too dirty. This shit was crazy. I couldn't believe they went through, I think it was Will's wallet, maybe. Yeah. They just opened it up and started taking shit out and throwing it on the table. Yeah. Bristow goes, his actual name is Willie. Yeah. It's like, well, what if he doesn't want that to be known? Yeah. Unfucking believable. Then we get some other shots of the basketball date. Not much value in this. We see Rodney making a crazy shot. Okay. Then something happens. <laughs> then we cut back to the crowd and there is a man who stands up screaming in a high pitched tone. We love you, Rodney. Woo, woo, woo. And then he supposedly takes off all of his clothing. We see him remove his shirt and we see a big black box around his crotchal area. And then he comes to stand in front of the audience where he does some running in place, pumping his fist, again, supposedly naked, black box. And then two security guards come out and chase him backstage like the Keystone cops. These are all actors, including the streaker, who was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. And I would also say this was my wowie moment of the week. Uh, <laughs> we see a lot of producer manipulation in the tell-alls. This was by far the height of it to me. These are all actors. The security guards, actors. The streaker, an actor. All of them are hired. This is a scripted bit. For what reason, I have no real idea. There's not much value we get out of it other than just thinking to ourselves, what in the fuck is going on? It's a callback to Rodney's forced nudity play. Of course. But, and, so, what are we getting out of this? It lasts for maybe 45 seconds. It's not funny. Tantalizing. It's so strange. Sexy. Yes, maybe. We all get turned on by this guy. But mm -hmm. this is, to me, I mean, talk about pro wrestling. We got a guy serving subpoenas. These two fucking security guards that are like, oh, we got to hustle you off backstage. They're not touching him or anything. They all three just run back around the corner. This is as close to pro wrestling as it gets. This is so fake and so fucking stupid. I, again, I don't understand what is the value of it. As a viewer, what am I supposed to be feeling watching this at home that they have gotten these actors to do this? I felt thrilled. I felt aroused. <laughs> I loved it. 
Okay, never mind. It worked. I was unaffected by it, but I was the only one. The rest of America. Tonight, babies are being born across America because of this. But not as aroused as I was during the fake lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. I get it. Oh, Jesus Christ. Portion number eight. Bristow and Tasha talk Clayton and they force all of the men to say complos for Clayton. Oh my God. Romeo says he had a very calming presence and he was there for TRR. Invokes for TRR, says the literal phrase. Tabletop says he'll be a great dad. Rodney says we're all very excited to see him in this position. Uh, what about you, Rodney, who everybody else wanted to be the bachelor though? This is part of that contract. You go out there and you say you want to see him as bachelor and we'll give you sand. That's how this is done. Rodney plays the part correctly. I think all of these things have been coached by the producers effectively. But Caitlin then introduces our Bachelor 26 sneak peek, a season that she says very well could be the most dramatic season ever. And uh, this (laughs) teaser, I don't really know how to describe what I felt after watching it. So I'm just going to go through it and kind of get to it. I'm going to try to relive it as I was experiencing Mm -hmm. it, okay? It starts, we see, uh, it's happening in St. Louis. Clayton's walking under an arch, or that's where he's from, Missouri. And then we see a waterfall, champagne, international travel, get to the chopper, and I'm already fucking just humming with electricity. This is Mm -hmm. a return to The Bachelor. We see kisses, bumper cars, a pretty woman date, kayaking he says he knows the one is there they are all perfect in their own ways didn't believe it could happen he's in love with three women he ll3 someone he ll3 someone else he fucking ll4 someone he tells the final two he was intimate with both of them and my fucking heart and brain explode simultaneously this is the fifth pair of pants i've shit when i see this someone walks away crying It's fucking unreal. I watched this and I'm like, oh, now I see why they selected him as Bachelor. They manipulated him into doing something. 100%. I literally never thought I would see. He tells both of the finalists that he had sex with both of them. And then he says, I'm so broken. What did I do? He's essentially giving the two finalists both victimization edits here. Which of them is going to be the Bachelorette? I have no fucking idea. We see shots of him staring at a ring. I just... It's unfucking believable to me. I cannot wait for this season. It is not only a return to the mansion, to international travel, to all of the opulence that we have come to know and expect from our beloved game. It looks like pre-pandemic era Bachelor, and I'm fucking for it. But even beyond that, history is going to be made in that fucking moment. They have given us the fence jump. They have given us, bring her home to us. They have now given us I was intimate with both of you at the fucking rose ceremony. How they got him to do this shit. I have no fucking idea what they promised him. We'll edit it right, dude. You'll look great. I have no idea, but they got him to fucking do this. This is history. We've never seen this before. I am looking so fucking forward to season 26. I cannot. Fuck. I just can't wait. And the level of play looks very good as well, by the way. We hear a woman say he's in love with all three of us. And we have him say, I'm so broken. I'm so excited. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have chills just 
just hearing your your deranged uh, recap of it. I fucking can't wait. This shit is next level. Then when we come back to the studio, Rodney gets in a little joke. Who hurt Clayton like that? Then Chris S. says the most true thing of the night. They make our drama look like child's play. He says, that's correct, Chris, because the players of The Bachelor are fucking on another level as compared to players of The Bachelorette. These players, and and we've discussed this, we're in the professional era now. I think we're going to see a fucking field of Hannah Celeste's and Madison Pruitt's. And we've got mm-hmm. producers dripping honey in Clayton's ear. He never stood a chance. He's a fucking mid-season floater washout from The Bachelorette up against what I believe is going to be the greatest field of players we have yet seen in our beloved game and the most Machiavellian producers, the producers who gave us season 25. How the fuck could anyone go through that gauntlet? And he doesn't. He's going to get destroyed. This is the game. No, he's broken. He's broken. Can't come through hole. (laughs) (laughs) They took down the ultimate Viking. I cannot wait. But then uh, Taylor tells us coming up, Michelle is going to be here and Becca Cooperin's in the audience, company manning hardcore. She stands up and says she and Thomas are doing wonderful and she has some exciting news. Are they getting married? Are they having a baby? No. Bachelor Live on stage is coming back in the spring. <laughs> March through May, 40 cities. Everyone can enjoy and you might see some Bachelor alum on stage with them. So that whole tour is going to be going on next year. I'm sure we'll be talking about it in Twibbon and stuff like that. I believe it's coming here in March to Los Angeles. Who knows? Uh, Who knows what might happen? Who knows what might happen? (laughs) And uh, those prospective players, we have a Bachelor Live person who made it into the real game. So this is your minor league chance to practice your stuff. Absolutely. Portion 9 begins. The brilliant, beautiful bachelorette herself, Michelle. Come on out here. She says, it's nice to see all the guys' faces. She's happy to have such a good group of guys. Tasha's like, "Did you? when did you realize that you had such a good group of guys? She says, night one. They've literally spent at this point 50 minutes of the show destroying dudes and saying they're assholes because they were fucking villains on the season. They're like, mm-hmm. you're a piece of shit. You're a piece of shit. You're a piece of shit. When did you know you had such a great group of guys? You said... You've had hotter people suck your dick. Yeah. <laughs> you had fucking notes. You're a horrible piece of shit. Rodney, though, gets a line and brings up his new catchphrase again. You carried yourself with so much class and grace. I'm always Team Michelle cheering for you. There he goes. Jamie says he loves how she was authentic and her coaching aspect that she builds people up. Fabulous across the board. <laughs> like this, just pretending like nothing has happened. And Michelle says, we did talk about that coaching piece, but coaches lift people up even when they're not around. When I go back and watch you saying spring break mode, the men in the house are below you. That's not what a coach does. They preach positivity. I'm not seeing any responsibility. And Jamie says, if anybody feels hurt by the words, I apologize for it. He cannot bring himself to actually apologize. Michelle then tells him that words do matter. You can't sit there and tell me it's a mistake. and. Jamie says, I was just venting about personal feelings, that he was at an emotional extreme, wanted to get out. Michelle says, I will close this conversation. I truly don't feel like you have learned from the comments. You're apologizing because you have to. And we go out on that. No redemption for Jamie. No, he does get a little bit because he then comes back and he says he tries like a sincere apology for what he said. 
and he thanks everybody for sharing how they felt. And he says he was in the wrong and he apologizes for that. And then Michelle thanks him. I do feel like they put a bow on that. They wrapped it up and they're going to do that with every other fucking villain as well. And then uh, we see the bloopers are teased and portion 10 begins. Michelle's still in the hot seat. Tasha opens it up to the guys and PJ commends her for using this platform and talking about her being a black girl in a white neighborhood. Says there's a lot of little black girls that look up to her for that. Nice compliment here. Martin apologizes for the way things ended. Michelle won't let him off the hook. She asked him why he felt it was okay to belittle her. And he says he doesn't express himself to the best of his abilities. So he's kind of relying on that crutch, which works here. He apologizes, but says that through this process, he found a soulmate and he treats her like the queen that she is. And Michelle helped him understand how to do that. She says that his words hit deep, not only for her, but for so many other women out there. And he apologizes again. She accepts this apology bow on that villain. Then they make Chris S speak next, the final villain. He apologizes for speaking over and hopes he, she found her soulmate. Michelle thanks him and hopes his life's going well. All villains squared away now. All the beefs they had, everything wrapped up nice and neat. And Michelle goes on to admit that she felt uh, she sent Olu home a little too early, that they had great conversations and his tear meant a lot to her. And she is connected to him and wishes she had more time to explore that relationship. And so Olu thanks her for this journey and being vulnerable, something he's not used to doing. Thanks her for that. And then Caitlin intros this blooper reel here. It's not a great blooper reel. We see Jamie sneezing at a rose ceremony. Tasha steals Caitlin's line accidentally. Joe says that he's rubbing the guys off and they make some kind of masturbation implication there. Tabletop fails at ripping a piece of paper. Michelle gets her fingers caught in the hair and then we get into a different portion of the blooper reel that contains some bugs. There's a lot of bugs. We see a scene that we saw in the main document where Brendan and... Michelle are doing some ice cream food play, but then we see something we didn't see in the document, which is a bee attacking Brandon. And this bee was strutting their stuff. And this bee was my. <laughs> Creature of the week. It was a strong bee. It was a strong creature taking center stage like that. But a little later in the bug montage, we come upon a praying mantis. This mantis is drudging his stuff. Okay, hang on. This mantis. I can't even get through it. This fucking mantis, okay, is sees that Michelle Young is there front and center. She's in her nice sparkly dress. And this Montes is like, all right, they're shooting these scenes with the fucking lead of the show. But guess who's in town? Me. I'm the star of this fucking show. And this Montes struts his stuff right up to Michelle Young and stands directly at her feet saying, I am here. Put the camera on me. And that's exactly what happens. This is perhaps the best Montes play we have ever seen in our beloved game. And for that reason, <laughs> this Montes was my <laughs> creature of the week. Convincing, convincing parable. Thank you. Right there. <laughs> 
I think you need to smoke weed in all of our episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I used to. When we very first started doing this, we get high every fucking time. I know. <laughs> now it's uh, it's once in a while when I feel that I can. Straight to business. Raw gore. But then we see some apples and we see Michelle being unable to pronounce Rancho Cucamonga. And we see her falling out of a chair trying to throw popcorn in her mouth. And then Taisha teases the finale teaser will be in the next portion. Which is portion number 11. We don't start with a trailer. We start with the pizzapreneur. The hosts are thanking Michelle for being there and answering all the questions as though she had a choice. And Peter interjects. He has pulled an Olympios of a type here, and he's had some pizza brought in, as he says, flew all the way in from Florida. He gives slices to everyone, including Michelle, who he gives a hug. And we see that he's being given a redemption. He says, slice appetite. Everybody's eating the pizza. <laughs> Everyone says it's good. So all of these reviews that we saw earlier are now completely counteracted. Even the reviewer himself, Will Urena, says it's a lot better than the one he tried. Peter fucking puts his hand out to Will and says, do you want to bury the hat? The phrase I believe he's looking for is bury the hatchet, but he says bury the hat and they fucking hug it out over pizza. Not only pizza, over Peter Izzo's pizza from his restaurant. What a fucking commercial for his own pizza. This redemption, this burying of the hat, which by the way, is all being helped by the fucking producer's third audience here. This move was my play, 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 play of the game. In this one move, I, look, he was brilliant tonight, Peter. Fucking brilliant. This is a guy people fucking forgot about. He went out in a blaze of non-glory or a non-blaze of glory. <laughs> he went out in nothing. He went out in just like, ah, we were almost rivals. Goodbye. Tonight, he's issuing false subpoenas. He is bringing in pizza from his <laughs> restaurant. All of this shit has to be helped with the third audience, with a lot of third audience help, which means to me, this motherfucker is on sand already. He's enjoying that first round of sand, I would guess, also. He, they are really propping him up here. For sure. And the fact that he was able to end this rivalry, which to me was the biggest thing of tonight's episode, he controlled the entire narrative of it through these props, through these little fucking, these small moments. They weren't even small, they were big. And ultimately, doing this fucking pizza play, Jesus Fucking Christ. Beautifully done. Love this move by him. And it was my play of the game. It does get a standing ovation from the audience as well. Of course. I mean, he's guaranteed sand at this point. Right here after this, the hosts come back. Caitlin, uh -huh. next week is Fantasy Suites. Then a three-hour finale the following week. Then Caitlin steps into the center of the frame and she says, thanks to Michelle for being here. Thanks to the guys. Thanks to Tasha. Thanks to you, Bachelor Nation. Then, and I quote, for everyone who's been a part of this one, good night, embrace yourselves. That phrase, for everyone who's been a part of this one, is DLH's signature sign-off for every live show that has ever been done in the history of fucking Bachelor that he was a host of. For every one of the tell-alls, every one of the after the final roses. That is the exact thing he says. They have given that to her. 
she is now able to wield the dark mm-hmm. power. She has been a novice, an apprentice, if you will, in the dark arts. Here, she is stepping into the master of dark arts role. She's done the dark touch. She's Tamsig. Now she's for everybody who's been a part of this one. It's unbelievable to me. But I don't think she's coming back. I think Jesse Palmer is the host in perpetuity. It's not unbelievable to me because she's the goat. But I mean, to, to prop her up like this, to give her these dark powers and then never let her use them again. It's sad. I liked it. Time will tell. Time will tell. Maybe she will be back. You know, the fourth audience hasn't started digging on Jesse P yet. We'll see. That's true. That is true. See what happened with Jeopardy? Yes. <laughs> yes. Then we get the final reel, the finale promo. Michelle's in love with Nate, Joe, and Brandon. Some bros are going to foes. Michelle's dad thinks one of the players would become a jealous person. We see Nate pre-cogging, and we see... Michelle emotional in the finale, and they notably don't use Katie Thurston's tears in this one. And then we get a tag, which is Michelle hugging all the players. Rodney brings back his signature handshake with Michelle. I mean. Great. And what was the last image of this show, if I may ask? I don't know, but I bet you know. I do. I made a note of it. What is it? Is it a Montez? No. <laughs> no. Oh my God. The last image we see in tonight's mental all is a slice of Peter's pizza. They just zoom right in on a slice of that fucking pizza. And that's the last thing that we go out on. It's Peter. It's the pizza. It's the bearing of the hat. It's his control of the entire game, which brings me to my MVP tonight. For his unparalleled use of the third audience all throughout this mental all to produce subpoena power, to produce pizza power, Peter, the pizzapreneur Izzo, was my MMMMMVP. I loved everything he did. He made this entire night about him and he was somebody who had no business doing that it was to me incredible to see somebody who really washed out in the middle of the game having underutilized a lot of situations that were set up for him to come back in a manner like this and just be a fucking tidal wave no there was no one else who came out of tonight's show that i even gave a shit about there were some good plays sure rodney was making good plays olu made some good plays but they were exactly what i expected from them just kind of company manning Give me a decent place on paradise. Tonight, Peter proved he deserves to be in the first round of sand placement to be in episode one. And I think he will be. Look, Peter's play was very impressive. I think we will see him on sand. What does that look like on sand? Does that look like a love story? Does that look like a person who's launching himself into a million plus followers? I don't think so. I think it might. Because I will... (laughs) I will hearken back to a certain Chris Goose Randone. I feel like he and Peter Izzo are very similar players in style and type. Kind of mid-season, wash out, nobody in the house liked them type thing. And look what he did. Chris Randone doesn't have a million followers, but look what he did with Crystal Nielsen. That was huge. And I believe Mm -hmm. the same could happen in the next Paradise. I believe that Peter could hook up with somebody who is of a similar or maybe even slightly elevated status within the game 
They ride it out and they become that type of couple by the end of it and maybe each have a million Instagram followers. I could see something like that happen. If he plays his cards right, if you're listening, Peter, DM me. Bongiorno. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I don't know if he has what it takes to make that pivot, but you know who does have what it takes to set himself up for a perfectly 4TRR love story on sand? Rodney was my... M M M M V P. He continued this 4TRR branding. You think he's going to be upset? He's passed over for Bachelor and they're giving the Bachelor his tagline underdog? No, he's going to come up with new taglines. He's Team Michelle. He's bringing back his signature handshake with Michelle. He reacted well to sharing his hot seat with a beloved heartbroken Tasha. He played to all four audiences perfectly. Compost for Michelle, defending his bros, giving compost to Clado, got the third audience to make him special signs, produced tears for the fourth audience. I just think no one has launched himself into a better position for Paradise than Rodney. And yes, maybe I had high expectations for him already. He got huge, massive gains after his uh, swan song exit bump, but yeah, I think he's going to be a star of BIP. I don't think he's going to be the star of it. He'll be up there. He'll be like, because there's still whoever washes out in third place. Whoever gets eliminated next will have higher standing mm-hmm. than him on the beach. And also, you know, we've got still the other Bachelorette seasons to pull from, too. I think we're going to see some repeat people back in paradise. Like who? <sighs> Name it. I think they might bring Ivan Hall back if he'll have it. Because they did him dirty and they'll be like, look, we know we fucked with you, but this time it'll be for real. I think they're going to maybe have Natasha Parker back. She's owed something unless Mm -hmm. she gets in a relationship in that time. I think we'll see some company men on there for sure. But all these players, including Rodney, like you're saying, he is playing the company man role pretty fucking perfectly. And I could see him maybe being partnered up with somebody in a new official Bachelor Nation podcast as well. I don't know who that person would be because he's like super funny and has that kind of like live wire energy. If they partnered him with somebody that's more of a straight man, I think it would be fucking a a pretty good podcast. Hmm. Do you think he will divert away from the Apple branding? No, that's with him for life. No, enter with an Apple. Yeah, but that does it. That wraps up our coverage of season 18, Bachelorette, Mentel All. What I thought was the most exciting mental all that I've ever seen specifically because of all the Peter stuff, the fucking <laughs> the fake subpoena, the fake lawyer, the fake streaker, <laughs> the fake fucking security guards, the pizza play. It was just, God damn, this was a work of fucking art. It was everything that you want. It felt much more in line with previous seasons. I totally agree. I am very excited to see Michelle that she's in love with all three. I don't even know who the ring winner is. I, I It's Nate. I don't know. Charminance. But maybe he's not ready. F- what the hell are you talking about? Are they tricking you with that fucking thing they cut? Don't. Come on. We're better than this. They always do. <laughs> I'm not better than this. <laughs> when are you going to get me that sauce, by the way? This week. I have two canisters of it ready and waiting for you. I can't wait to taste it. I wish I could. 
Maybe I'll try and get the marinara when it comes back in stock. He's always sold out. But thank you, everyone, for joining us for this breakdown of tonight's big game. We appreciate you joining us for it. And just to remind you, we have a brand new shirt out. Once again, you can see it on all of our social media, or you can go to etsy.com slash shop slash Game of Roses and check it out there. But we love the design. Thank you, Ella Talkin, who did it for us. Just amazing, amazing artist doing amazing stuff. And we will be back in 72 short hours. Because that's still going to come out on Friday. Tonight is just, uh, they aired on Monday. So obviously this is out on Tuesday. And then our This Week in Bachelor Nation will be out this coming Friday. So we hope you join us for that as well. And before we go, as always, what is that Dwabat? It has been 7,197 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be our beloved game. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Hold up, what was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 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 Mm